Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Altitude Crime. It is great to have you back and listening again today. Since we have entered the spooky season, I will be including a horror movie recommendation at the end of the episode. But more importantly, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and I have been dedicating our last few episodes to stories that involve this terrible social dynamic. If you're a victim of domestic violence, there is help for you. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 1-800-799-7233, or visit thehotline.org. Today I'm coming in with another short episode. I know there's been a lot of these lately, but I promise we are going to be getting into some longer ones in the next couple of weeks. But we are covering two cases today in finishing our kind of case study of violence domestic cases from Colorado during this month. I will not be doing one next week, even though it's still October, because it's Halloween and I actually have a Halloween case to cover. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this episode. On September 5th, 2016, at around 7 p.m., Police were called to a home at 16156 East Randolph Place in Denver County. When they arrived, they found a man in the driveway who was pronounced dead just a little while later. It was obvious that he had suffered many gunshot wounds. Police realized that the shooter was most likely inside the home with four children. They ended up having to break into the house and took 33-year-old Roxanne Sanchez into custody. According to Chuck Hickey's reporting for Fox 31, she randomly said in front of police that, quote, she shot the mother mm, in the head, unquote. And yeah, that's an expletive there. The victim was identified as 34-year-old Jose Sanchez. He had died of multiple gunshot wounds. In looking farther into Jose and Roxanne's relationship, it seems that there might have been some tumultuous points in the marriage. The two were married in February 2002, and Jose had previously been arrested on December 27, 2015. Apparently during an argument, Jose had pointed a gun at his wife and slammed her into a wall, but all of the charges were eventually dropped. The couple was married 14 years, and Jose initiated a divorce. The two became separated on December 27, 2015, the same day as his arrest, and the divorce became finalized on September 21, 2016, just four days before Jose's murder. As a part of the investigation, the four children that were in the house at the time of the shooting were taken to the Denver Children's Advocacy Center for interviews. One of the kids, who was 14 years old, saw the two adults standing outside talking. The 14-year-old had seen Roxanne pull a gun from the waistband of her pants and shoot Jose multiple times. Roxanne Sanchez was held without bond and was charged with first-degree murder as well as four counts of child abuse. This was for each child that was in the home when Jose was shot. 
Our second case today takes place also in 2016, on February 10th, in Littleton, not far outside of Denver. At that time, Brandon Johnson, who was 26, was living at an apartment at 7540 East Harvard. He was living with his ex-girlfriend, who was also the mother of the couple's two-year-old. The two had continued to live together post-breakup due to financial reasons. Also living in the apartment was Brandon's six-year-old Riley, who was from a previous relationship with a woman named Rachel Johnson. According to Jennifer Lee Kovaleski's reporting for the Denver Channel, Rachel Johnson described her six-year-old Riley as, quote, Riley was a bright child. He was always happy. He was goofy, unquote. Rachel had lost custody of Riley when she was investigated for child abuse and was initially charged with two counts of misdemeanor child abuse. She and Brandon's relationship seems to have been pretty normal and he did not show any kind of violent streak in that relationship. So Brandon Johnson was eventually given full custody of Riley. Rachel, Riley's mom, had been living in Illinois and just trying to get herself back together and had not seen her son in about a year. About a week prior to the incident we're going to talk about, Brandon's ex-girlfriend that he was living with, the mother of his two-year-old, had told him that she had started to see someone else. On February 10th, 2016, Brandon Johnson woke her up in the middle of the night with a knife and took her to the living room where he sexually assaulted her. He told her not to scream or else he would kill everyone in the house, which included Riley, who was six years old, and their two-year-old. After the assault, his ex-girlfriend went to call 911, but then heard Riley screaming from the bedroom. When she entered the room, Riley was dead, and Johnson was also in the room with a wound to the throat. He had gone into the bedroom and stabbed his son. At 5 a.m. that morning, Brandon Johnson's ex-girlfriend ran to a neighbor's house to call for help, and police would respond. The scene they would arrive to was nothing short of grisly. Six-year-old Riley had been stabbed in the throat, and Brandon Johnson had done the same to himself. The stab wound caused permanent damage but did not kill Brandon Johnson. He was sent to the hospital for several days prior to being booked and arrested by police. He was fitted with a tracheal tube, which think of a smoker, the the commercials you see uh, that are anti-smoking, that the person has the thing they have to hold to their hole in their throat that they use to talk. That's a tracheal tube. Also found in the home was the couple's two-year-old who was unharmed. Proceedings against Brandon Johnson began, and at first it looked like things would go quickly. It seems like he initially was going to put in a plea of guilty, but on August 18, 2016, withdrew this plea. It changed the deadline for prosecutors as far as how long they had to decide if they would pursue the death penalty or not. Colorado law would allow for the death penalty in this particular case because the victim was younger than 12. Also on this day, an eighth charge was added to Brandon Johnson's rap sheet. This was first-degree murder after deliberation. A few months later, on December 2nd, prosecutors decided that they would pursue the death penalty and had eight charges in total against Brandon Johnson, including first-degree murder of a victim under 12. After the prosecution made this declaration, the defense said they would put in a guilty plea if the death penalty was taken off the table. 
During these proceedings, Riley's mom had a really difficult time in court and could not stay in the courtroom during many of the details about how her son died. On March 9th, 2018, Brandon Johnson pleaded guilty in Arapahoe County Court. He pled guilty to eight charges, including first-degree murder charges and rape charges. This plea made him able to avoid the death penalty, and he received a sentence of up to 54 years in jail, which means he will be in jail for the rest of his life. Prior to the incident, Brandon Johnson had told his ex-girlfriend that he felt suicidal and depressed. But while Johnson has said that he is sorry for what he has done, he still has no explanation for why he killed his son. Okay, everybody. So like I said, another couple cases that are short and to the point, but doesn't mean I don't have thoughts on them. Musing number one. In the Johnson case, I found it really interesting that... Something that was mentioned in a lot of the articles was that a deputy that was driving to the scene behind the ambulance was actually critically injured. He had been hit by a car that was turning and didn't see him coming. This deputy was Bill Foreman Jr., and he was a 25-year veteran on the force. Now, while this was very sad and he was in critical condition for a long time, but from what I can tell, made a pretty full recovery, his accident was covered as much, if not possibly more, than the actual killing of Riley Johnson, the six-year-old who was stabbed in the throat and murdered. I just kind of found that a little bit interesting. Musing number two, I'm going to be really honest here. This month's episodes have been rough, and I'll be honest, it's probably why they're kind of short. It's been really tough to look at these cases and see how incredibly common they are and they don't get any less brutal with each case report that I find and that is just harrowing and sad at the same time. So please if you can get involved, if you can get educated on domestic violence and this entire social dynamic in our world, please, please, please do it. And if you feel like you know somebody that is going through something like this, Be available for them, raise the red flag, and get yourself involved. I think it's easy for us to kind of turn our head and assume that this is behind closed doors and it's not our business. This is how things like this happen, by not making it our business. So speaking of which, like I said earlier, there is a hotline for the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. Or you can visit thehotline.org. And like I said, I promise there are longer episodes coming. Um, I actually have also been kind of busy at my real job because unfortunately podcasting is not my only job. Um, But I want to keep content coming out to you guys. I don't want to skip weeks if I don't have to. We're past the halfway through a year mark and I'm really hoping to not skip an episode at any time. So bear with me that some of these are shorter, but I'd rather you have shorter content than no content. (laughs) As always, follow or subscribe to Altitude Crime on your favorite podcast platform. This will help you find out if I have any midweek content coming, which we should have some coming up soon um, as the Gannon Stock case is going to continue to move forward and I will be doing updates on that. And following subscribing and leaving ratings and reviews helps other people find Altitude Crime. 
As always, you can connect with me on social media, on Instagram at Altitude Crime Podcast, and on Facebook and Twitter on Altitude Crime. You guys have been leaving some great comments, and I really appreciate it. And a big shout out to my YouTube subscribers. I know these videos are a little boring because it's just a stagnant image, but you guys have left a ton of really great comments, and I really love engaging with you. So huge shout out to you. And if you are interested in source materials, you can find those at altitudecrime.com. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I do have a horror movie recommendation for you. Now this one might seem kind of obvious, but it is truly one of my favorites and it is just one of the originals and that is Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. But I'm giving this a twofer because while the original Psycho is fantastic, there is a movie that came out recently with Anthony Hopkins in it. And by recently, I mean probably within the last 10 years, um, just called Hitchcock. And it talks about the process that Alfred Hitchcock had to go through to get Psycho out in theaters. Um, it was so like daunting and controversial at the time that he really had to put a lot up, up front to even get it into theaters because people really thought that it was inappropriate and there was issues with censors and all this kind of things. It's a great movie. It's got him. Helen Mirren is in it. A stellar, stellar, stellar cast. Um, So that's a little two for recommendation for you. Well, thanks again for spending part of your week with me. I always love knowing that you guys are coming back every single week and I will talk to you next Sunday on Altitude Crime. Episode 30, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, Jose Sanchez and Riley Johnson, was written, recorded, and edited by Amelia Allen. Music provided by podbean.com.